ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Yeah, it's the In the Crease podcast with me, Linda Cohn, Emily Kaplan. Emily, how the heck are you, man? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I love the man drop right there. Um, I'm here in Tampa. Honestly, it feels like I never left. I feel like I was just here for the Stanley Cup final, but I'm so pumped to be here because we're going to do a test preseason game tonight as we record this Thursday and Friday. The Lightning are playing two back-to-back games, and basically ESPN is doing all these new camera angles and all these new I don't want to give too much away, but a lot of new stuff and wrinkles, and uh, we're testing it all out for opening night. What's up with you? Well, I, you know, I hosted Sports Center last night. I haven't been doing Sports Center for like a few weeks. Um, I think because all the traveling we were doing for the NHL, which was fine. I'm not complaining, but it was great to be back doing Sports Center, and it was really cool. Like I, I got to explain to you, man, Emily, because I said that word, man, again, and I know you're a woman. I love but, it. Know. We're just two men talking hockey. If we want to be, <laughs> it's a very New York thing. But anyway. Um, You know, it was just great to do hockey highlights, preseason hockey. Now, I've always done hockey highlights, even when we didn't have the NHL on ESPN uh, and our family and networks. But it just had a different feel for me because I knew this was the sign of things to come. Right. Yeah. Drop for real right on October 12th on ESPN. And we're all pumped up for it. But I just felt like, you know what? This is great. So the return of Jonathan Taves, that was exciting back on the ice. You know, he's still dealing. He hopes to be there for the Chicago Blackhawks as they open up their regular season. If he was able to play in their first home preseason opener, score in the shootout, he's going to be there opening night. I have no doubts in my mind. I know. Future Hall of Famer. I love that guy. One of my favorite players. And we all know how I feel about the Blackhawks. They're like one of my sexy picks uh, to make the postseason. But um, it was just really cool to, you know, to, uh, you know, shine the light, right? Uh, really big time. And also it was just, you know, I know it's the preseason, but it was really, really cool for me to see the progression of Jack Hughes. You know, mm. it was great. I don't have to tell you, Emily. I mean, it was so great. We, we talked with him. You know, he's only 20 years old. Have you forgotten? He's only 20 years old. Number one overall pick in 2019 by the New Jersey Devils. You know, and, and we both spoke to him. We had a chance, you know, when we sat down with him in Chicago for NHL Media Days. And it was just so great. I've actually seen the difference. Again, you know, both my kids, all right? are older than Jack Hughes, okay? But I've seen the maturity out of this guy, and the Devils are another team that I can't wait to see for real. But anyway, getting back to SportsCenter, so I was doing a Jack Hughes highlight, and it was just, he had just this really awesome backhand, going to the net, uh, just confidence, just, you know, that's the word. I'm not even going to say swagger. I just love the confidence that he had and he's maturing and he's going to be a team leader. And I know there's Nico Heischer and I know they picked up Dougie Hamilton and I know they have PK Subban, but it just, I, I kind of thought about him about, you know, how cool he was when we spoke to him uh, back in Chicago a couple of weeks ago um, about his process of becoming an NHL player. Yeah. I mean, I had a good year last year. Um, it's hard not to make strides after the first year I had, but um, I had a really good year. I thought at times I, I dominated, and and uh, I think if I keep rolling and um, take last year and keep moving forward heading into this year, I think I'll have a special year. How did you make that transition? Because it's obvious I could see it in your face how disappointed you were in your first year. What was the difference for you as you entered last year? What was in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I was really young and naive yeah. and probably cocky heading into the league like I was 18 I just went first overall like you expect to have a lot of success but um 
my second year, I worked a lot. I worked really hard in the in the COVID uh, time off, and um, I put the work in, and it paid off. You know, I had a great year, and same thing this summer, and I'm expecting to have a big year. Who helped you? I mean, you said you came into the league hockey. Who helped you realize what was the wake up call? What was that game? What was that moment for you, Jack? When you're like, this isn't college. Well, yeah, I don't think there is. I think just playing in the NHL is a wake up call. You know, I mean, you go from being the best player in your age group to playing guys like Crosby on, on every given night, you know, you play Crosby one night, then Bergeron and then uh, Kane or the next night, you know, it's, there's great players in the league and, and you're no longer the best player. So you got to uh, step it up and evolve your game. You know, what's so interesting, Linda is like, when I was preparing for the draft this year, I talked to a bunch of these NHL draft prospects and one of them was Luke Hughes. And I was just so impressed by his precociousness um, he was so confident and he's like the youngest Hughes brother. And I was like, Oh, there's finally a Hughes brother with personality personality. Wow. I don't know why I just got a lisp right there. Finally, a Hughes brother with personality. Um, but it's interesting because all of a sudden this year, I feel like Jack is starting to flex his too. And I was like, well, maybe it's not just Luke. Jack has some too. And even when we were talking about media day, like he was pushing it back at us. Remember I had done my research and I found out, and I, I still contend that this is true. He was just lying to us that he cooks dinner every night with a disco ball. And he's like, no, I don't. Where'd you hear that? Who doesn't cook their dinner with a disco ball hanging from their ceiling to inspire them? Uh, we did not. I should have followed up with, does, is he playing Saturday Night Fever, the soundtrack in the background? Because then that then maybe that would have jogged his memory because I'm not calling you a liar, Emily. If you heard that he cooks dinner with a disco ball, uh, you know, in his. I've got good sources, Linda. I'm not going to reveal who they are, but it's someone very close to the situation who would know. Let me just put it that way. I hear you. Speaking of good sources, uh, which we're doing, and I do, you do, okay? I'm not just pumping your, you know, Preach. pumping your tires here and all that. And don't want you to have a lar- enlarged head. Uh, but it's the point fine. is it's that, uh, you know, everyone's talking about, you have this great article. I retweeted it, you know, good teammate that I am, uh, about, you know, the dress code and uh, regarding the Arizona Coyotes. I know, Emily, I know. The Arizona Coyotes. Okay, people are telling me, Linda, they'll do anything to get publicity. They'll do anything to get attention. No one thinks about the Arizona Coyotes. Listen, full disclosure, when you Google the Arizona Coyotes, it doesn't come up right away. It's like every other (laughs) sports team and junior league team and every level of a professional sports league from Arizona comes up in Google before the Coyotes come up and it breaks my heart. So, you know, for you haters out there, about the coyotes making news and you helping to share that news with them relaxing, becoming the first NHL team to say, you know what, this dress code thing, I don't think we're going to do it. Well, like, I feel like that's the point, And that's the point that people are missing. Cause you said, Oh, they'll do anything for publicity. That's what the haters say. Well, that's the point, right? The NHL's <laughs> mantra for as long as you and I have covered the league is grow the game. Growing the game means shoving it in people's faces, getting visibility. Like when Serge Ibaka wore that ridiculous oversized scarf, it literally created a news cycle because of what he wore. And look, if guys want to wear suits to the rink still, and that's rooted in their hockey tradition, and that's what's comfortable for them, go for it. But I just think we should allow players to be themselves and be wherever they're comfortable. And you know, one other thing yep. I got kind of pissed off, not pissed off, but there's just some hockey people who don't get it. And, and Alex Faust, you know, uh, he's a great broadcaster for that. I L- saw that tweet. Come on. He's a young guy for goodness sake, Alex, we love you, but 
I'm not stealing your thunder here, Emily, but you sounded like an old man. It was ridiculous. So the player I talked to in the piece is a guy I have a really good relationship with. We've had a couple conversations over the summer and I knew he felt strongly about the dress code. So I called him up and, you know, he kind of went off. He's like our old general manager. He's so old school. I don't see it's happening. It's ridiculous. Whatever I wear to the rink, it's not going to affect the way I play. And it feels like there's a great example of why the NHL stuck behind the NBA and NFL in some ways, because our league wa- says it wants to grow, but it's afraid to grow and we need to move forward. And yep. Alex Foss goes back and is like, oh, with all due respect, dude, not relaxing the grow uh, the dress code will not grow the game. The reasons the NHL is behind the NBA or NFL have nothing to do with the dress code. And I'm like, no, it's not specifically about the dress code, but it's symptomatic of the larger cultural issues in hockey. And until you understand that, we're just going to be a niche sport. Yeah. And here's the thing. After I, I think it was before I saw that, because when I first read your article and it was sensational, and of course anyone can read it on, you know, on our social media timelines or uh, ESPN.com. But the point is this, is that, you know, all I hear from the haters is like, oh, the NHL, the players, they have no personality. Well, hey, you know, relaxing this dress code, making adjustments at the very least I tweeted out will be a step in that right direction. So we can see more of this personality with what they wear. I can't wait to see what, you know, the Arizona Coyotes led by Jacob Chikrin, who we spoke to, of course, uh, back in Chicago a couple of weeks ago when you brought up the dress code to him. And he had just the amazing response to share how he felt about it. How do you feel about the NHL's dress code? Yeah. Um, in Arizona, we were kind of like the first team to go no dress code for games um, at home, which was awesome. Whose idea was that? How did that come about? I think it was um, Alex Murillo, our, our owner. I think it was his son, Murillo Jr. Um, he is very open to, you know, the idea of kind of growing the game and and growing, you know, our fan base and Anything we can do to kind of be a little bit unique and different, I think they're always open to trying different things. So um, to be the first team to go no dress code was awesome. The guys loved it. I think it's great to be able to show a little bit more of your personality and your closet other than just your suits. So um, I had fun with it. Um, I enjoyed it. and I think it's going to be something we continue to do. What outfit were you most yeah, proud of? Just an example. Um... <laughs> Man, oh man, I don't know. Or maybe just like most excited to wear. Yeah, I wore a funky sweater this year, uh, like a Balenciaga, like a crazy print. Um, just kind of loud. How do we see it? Yeah, it should be on, I think it's on my Instagram. It's on the gram. I'm not sure. It should be on the gram we'll somewhere, look. either mine or the Coyotes, or it'll be on there somewhere. But yeah, that was a fun one. Just kind of, um, yeah, a little, little statement. Linda, what a great transition. It's like you do this for a living. Also, just side note, we didn't mention this on the podcast, but I texted you this morning. I just had this surreal experience waking up in this hotel room in Tampa and I turn on TV and sports center from the night before is playing. And all of a sudden I hear, and that's two goals from John Carlson. That's my announcer voice. Like I'm hosting sports center and it's obviously not, but it was Linda's voice. And it just, it was so cool to me because it was just this surreal pinch me moment that like, I actually get to host a podcast with you. And then afterwards you promoted our podcast on TV and just hearing you say my name and your name and the Indecrease podcast. 
it just reminded me how grateful I am for this platform. I digress. Well, thank you for those kind words. And remember, it's not subscribe, but it's uh, rate and follow. <laughs> we're learning, you know, we're new to the podcast game. It's a little different than it once was back in the day, which was back in the day, what, three years ago, uh, you know, with podcasts. But yeah, because we always appreciate that our listeners to do so because it means a lot. But um, so the dress code. So again, for the haters out there, for those who don't want to see this game grow, for those who don't want to see the personality of these players grow, let them have the freedom. And, you know, Emily, like you said, my goodness, for goodness sake, they can wear the suits and ties if they want. No one's saying, oh, you know, you can't be conservative. You can't wear your suits and ties. Listen, if Henrik Lundqvist was still playing, nobody looks better in a suit and tie. Okay. Full disclosure. But, you know, there are others that definitely have picking up that mantle and ran with it. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing that personality, that growth. And let's start with the Arizona Coyotes. And by the way, it's okay. It's all right. If they get attention for this, now you know there's an NHL team in Arizona. Maybe they'll bump up to the fourth search result. Maybe. Maybe the fifth. Who's to say? They'll still be in last place in the Central Division, sadly. You know, Lynn, I just want to make one more point about the dress code because, you know, we, again, players have suppressed personalities. There's literally suppressors in the game. And I think what fans don't realize is just how widespread it is amongst these old hockey men who rule at every level of leadership. And, you know, there's still teams in this league that are telling their players, hey, tone it down a little bit. Don't show all of who you are. Hey, that was too much in an interview. Don't post like that on social media. And that's just ridiculous. Emily, I need to know who these teams are. There's teams that would surprise you. It's teams in the U.S. that are looking to grow their market. It really is. And it's, you know, we think so much, oh, it's old, old Canadians. And they have to do things the way it's always been done. Right. But unfortunately, it's teams in the U.S. as well. Well, they're making a mistake because all we have to do is look at the NFL, look at the NBA. That's always a great example of how, you know, their relaxed dress code, uh, they're allowed to grow, you know, under Adam Silver, um, how he adjusted David Stern's strict dress code because it makes personality the drives brand. that league yes. personalities drive that league. And I'm just getting back to my early point. I'm just saying it. It's like NHL players do have personality. Let's start with this. It's a little thing. It's what they wear to the rink. What's the problem? How does it affect your life? Right? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, mm -hmm. it's what mm -hmm. they do on the ice for your team, for your fantasy team, whatever the heck it is. I mean, just kind of pull back a little and I, you know, listen, if you want to tweet, if you disagree, go for it. But um, that's that's how I feel about it. All right. You know what? Um, we've started this thing. I, I, you know, listen, we're supposed to break down divisions, whatever. Blah. OK, it's all right. I'm going to do it. I'm coming to you from L.A. where I live. So I'm go we're going to do Pacific Division. And um, and I know everyone's, you know, holding their breath till we get to the Metropolitan Division and the Atlantic Division. Uh, but let's go Pacific Division. Let's get it out of the way. It's the weakest division, Emily, in the National Hockey League. No offense. No, but it's, it's the weakest division in the National Hockey League. But that means anyone can grab it. And let me tell you something. All you betters out there who are like laying down some a few shekels on the Vegas Golden Knights to automatically, it's a lock to win this division. Not so fast as the Great League Corso says Linda do you know what the funny thing about Vegas is like this one cracks me up what is that my friend Isabel Kershudian who used to cover the Washington Capitals for the Washington Post she's been in Russia the last two years and just like hasn't really covered the NHL or doesn't really follow the NHL since then 
she cannot get over the fact that Chandler Stevenson is the number one center for the Vegas Golden Knights. She just, <laughs> there are the some most- people that don't even know he's in the league. <laughs> he's a great player. I really like him as a player, but he is not a number one center. He's definitely a third or fourth liner. And I think that's the central crux of this team is that they haven't had that number one center. And people are like, Oh, they'll just go get him at the trade deadline. They'll go get Jack Eichel or whoever, but they didn't. And, you know, they're not going to be with Alex Tuck for a lot of the season. Um, Offense, I think, you know, maybe we take them a bit for granted. And yes, they have that goaltending. I'm really happy for Robin Lehner, a guy that I've gotten to know here when he lived in Chicago. Um, he's never had the opportunity to be the number one goaltender. Um, I just, I don't know. There, there's something just a missing piece of why this team hasn't been able to get past that next level in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I wonder if it's their center depth. Method to the madness. There has to be, because when you bring that up, it's like, why does everyone and their grandmother know they need a number one center? except them. It reminds me of like the Oilers, like I mentioned all time and time again with the Oilers. They need a franchise goaltender. They don't have one. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl deserve a franchise goaltender. Ken Holland, I know you're listening. Get it done sooner than later. And what took you so long? But that's what it reminds me of, Emily, when you mentioned that. Why does everyone know this except the person that is in control of the situation? You know, here are the two teams that I think if there are two teams that can knock off Vegas from the uh, Pacific Division uh, mantle, there is no question that every year I put my faith in the Edmonton Oilers and every year I'm thoroughly disappointed. They make me sick. I can't take it. I don't know what Ken Holland does in his spare time, the GM. It bothers me for two years. I wanted an upgrade in goaltending. Mike Smith, you're a great guy. You're a veteran. Uh, It's just you're getting old. You get hurt. I don't know how Koskinen is still in the league. Uh, you know, they have the arguably, well, not arguably, I was going to say arguably the two best players in the NHL, but there's no argument that Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL. Then there's Leon Dreisaitl, either number two or number three in the National Hockey League. But a terrific tandem can't do it enough. There are so many holes there. I know they picked up some pieces that they think will be championship caliber you know, the Zach Hyman's of the world, correct? You know, here's a guy, he was on my fantasy team last year. Of course, he was with Toronto. I loved him, but I mean, this is real life, Emily. I can't live in a fantasy world, but I get disappointed all the time with the Oilers. So if there's a team that can knock them off and don't sleep on Seattle, like that, they were sleepless in Seattle, but never sleep on Seattle. Okay, my thoughts on the Oilers are exactly the same as yours. I just don't understand why they didn't get a goaltender. I just don't. Like, it's malpractice as a GM to me. Zach Hyman is a guy It's like, great, you have him, and he's going to add a ton of value playing alongside McDavid. Yes, he's played with Austin Matthews, but, like, that doesn't address the depth down your lineup, which has been the issue all along. It's not, can we find someone to play next to McDavid? Can we find people to play behind McDavid? Um, I do think Duncan Keith, though, was a pretty good pickup. I really do. And I'm All glad right, that- you do. I mean, let's talk about Duncan Keith. It's a guy you know really well. So I wanted to tap into your brain about Duncan Keith. What's he got left? Is he still hungry? He is. He's really hungry. He wants to play until he's like 50. He is like, like kind Tom of a Brady. Tom Brady obsessed with his body, does infrared red lighting at home, all that kind of weird stuff. Who doesn't? Um, but he's super competitive. Yeah, I know, right? He's super competitive, though. And I think it told on him to be in Chicago the last couple years losing. And I do think that he kind of that veteran leader who's been there one before that the old hockey men do believe you need to win. But it's true. Sometimes the old hockey men do no right in some ways. And I do think you need that kind of veteran leader back there. 
And for those who are laughing, maybe you're laughing at me, Emily, secretly about um, saying the Kraken could win the Pacific Division. They're like 16 to 1 odds to win the Western Conference. I mean, I know the preseason means absolutely zero, but what I've seen so far, and I'm anxious because I'm looking forward to covering them. Obviously, Vegas opens up with them at home uh, against Seattle uh, on October 12th on ESPN. So I'm looking forward to seeing them up close and personal. But when you have that terrific goaltending tandem like Philip Grubauer and Chris Drieger, that's half the battle, okay? Plus, you got mm-hmm. those big, burly defensemen, all right? You got at least five. You got a handful of big, burly defensemen with leadership qualities. Mark Giordano is one of my favorite, favorite players. Just gets it, great leader, you know, obviously former captain with the Calgary Flames, you know, all of that. So I am not really counting out the Kraken. I'm not going to be surprised if they shake things up in the Pacific Division because it's a winnable division. I am with you. I don't think it would be a shock to see them make the playoffs. My only question with this team is who's going to score the goals? Yeah. There's so much strength in their defense. And I feel like this is one of those teams, kind of like the National Predators last year, where like a defenseman, Roman Yossi in their case, leads them in points, whether it's like Vince Dunn or Mark Giordano, who's just running the point and the power play. So as long as they get enough offensive contributions, like, yes, Jaden Schwartz and Jordan Everly will get them, but like, are those really 40 goal scorers or consistent point, you know, producers in this league? Maybe not on their own. Um, so I'm a little worried for them on offense and just the depth there, but from the back end, and especially in goalie, they're as deep as anyone. And I, I'm with you. I think they could be a playoff team. Yeah. And then there's like Vancouver, you know, I mean, very disappointing year last year for the Canucks. I thought, uh, you know, Thatcher Demko took a bit of a step back, uh, you know, different things went on there and there were, you know, as we speak, uh, Patterson hot, and went on there, Blue always News. something going on there. It's just like the yeah, team that just, just attracts chaos and drama. Yeah. I just, it's really a shame. And there's such a passionate fan base. Some of them are a little nutty, by the way, in Vancouver, but it's a beautiful city, as we know. But, um, you know, I, I just think I, I'm afraid to, you know, put all my money at the center of the table where the Vancouver Canucks are, that they're actually going to bounce back big enough. Yeah, they could get one of these playoff spots in the Pacific Division. There's no question about it. If uh, Seattle take it doesn't make it, you know, as a you know top three in the Pacific Division or Edmonton, for some reason, suffers a, a horrific injury to somebody that you know, I won't even mention it because I'm not putting anything like that out in the universe. I still believe in the Edmonton Oilers, by the way. I think it's good for hockey. But, uh, I, you know, I know they still have, you know, they got Oliver ekman Larson. You know, they got Connor Garland, too, now uh, in Vancouver. They got stars. And, of course, you got once these guys sign or get extended Queen Hughes and all that, they should make the postseason. They should grab one of these wild cards in the West. But if I'm the Vancouver Canucks, I'm really gunning. Forget the wild card because you have to deal with another division. You must, you must get one of these postseason bursts. You got to finish in the top three. Yeah. For me, the season goes as Elias Pettersson goes. It really does. Last year before the season, I predicted it was like my dark horse pick that he was going to be MVP just because he was on that trajectory and he didn't have a great season at all. Um, It just wasn't up to his standards. He just, it didn't look like a star player this year. I'm looking again for him to be a superstar. And if he, is and he can make everyone around him better. He lifts this franchise up. I think Brock Besser, by the way, is one of the more underrated goal scorers in this league. I love that kid. A couple years ago, this was one of my favorite stories I did. I visited him in Minnesota at his summer house. And it was just like going to visit the frat boys over the summer. He had like 10 friends living with him. They were on the lake. I walk in, it was like eggs, bacon, protein powder. Everyone's just waking up, maybe a little stale beer. Uh, right. Just living his best life. So, Shocking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, the guy's what? How old is he? 23? Yeah, he's like- At the uh, time, he was probably 22, 23. Yeah. 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 Really cute dogs, though. He adopted a dog, by the way, at Tampa All-Star Weekend. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know how I love that. Um, you know, but uh, I noticed how you said summer house. You didn't say cottage or cabin. Because he's an American. It's- there it is. In Minnesota. Hey, you notice I haven't, you know, I, I, I live in LA. I haven't, people are like, oh, Linda, what about the Kings? What about the Ducks? Uh, you know, don't even ask me about the Sharks. Uh, sorry. The I'll process, the difference between the Sharks yeah, and the Ducks, though. Go for it. Brett Burns. To me, yeah. Yes. To me, the Sharks are still a team that's in denial. They need to rebuild. It's plain and simple. They tried it out with this core. It didn't work out. They still have enough talented players to kind of be competitive, but not enough talent to win. And they just need to tear it all down and build it back up. The Ducks have finally admitted, you know what? Our core didn't win with this group. Sorry, we won in the past. We're going to incorporate the game. And they finally have committed to it. And I think that's where these franchises are different. And I do think the Ducks are at least on the right trajectory. Yes. And the Sharks are still kind of lying to themselves. All right. Here's where they're exactly the same. Each team couldn't score goals last year, averaging mm-hmm. just like two and a half goals a game or just under two and a half goals a game. You know, if you look at the Sharks, no Martin Jones anymore. This is my hot take prediction. Okay, go for it. He thrives in Philadelphia. <laughs> He's out of the Shark system. So you're already just- off the Carter Hart bandwagon. You're like, oh, Carter Hart's going to be a backup. Martin Jones. He'll be great too. I think they're going to try to shelter Carter Hart though. And, you know, give a split start situation. You know, maybe it's 30, 50, 46, whatever it is. 46, yeah. he doesn't even You don't know math and either do I. You knew what obviously. I mean. You knew what I, I meant. But James Reimer is back. I mean, the guy's yeah. been around and thrown around to every franchise in the world. I mean, that's your guy and goal. I mean, so they, they can't score. And I'm concerned about the goals they let in. I mean, last year, I correct me if I'm wrong, but they couldn't put the keep the puck out of their own net, the Sharks I'm talking about. At least the Ducks. No, their goaltending was god-awful. That's why yeah. my Martin Jones take is a real spicy one. Yeah, yeah. And at least the Ducks, you know, I've and I haven't even got dissected the Kings, but at least the Ducks, like, yeah, yeah, they were building all that great, but they have the young uh, players, and they're always in games because of John Gibson, you know, mm-hmm. a friend of the podcast. So, uh, you know, they have that going for them. But um, honestly, uh, the LA Kings, a lot of people want to get excited about the LA Kings. I get it. They will improve. They have, again, like the Ducks, good, promising young talent, all of the above, a beautiful mix. We spoke to Drew Doughty, friend of the podcast. He's a believer. A lot of Kopitar, Kopi's a believer. Quickie's a believer. Are they living in the past? Are they going to be able to blend properly? I know it's weak in the Pacific Division. I'm just like, yes, you're going to be better than last year, but it's not going to be enough to get into the playoffs. No, I'm with you. And, you know, I think we're excited about all these young players that the Kings have, but can we just remember how young they are? Like Quinton Byfield just turned 19 years old two months ago over the summer. Uh, Arthur Kaliev, another guy with really high expectations. He's just 20 years old. And the expectations for players, we really haven't had like an A-plus prospect come into this league since Austin Matthews that's in the top of the draft. And the typical development path is you need a year or two of the AHL. You need a year then in the NHL to kind of find your feet. Like we're seeing that with the Rangers and Alexis Frenier. Don't worry, guys. We're going to get to the Metropolitan eventually. Um, so I think these guys just need to get their feet wet in really good situations, maybe a little bit more of a winning culture than has been there the last couple of years. But again, a year or two away from actually being a legitimately good team. Yeah. So, I mean, like my three in the Pacific that are definitely going to make the playoffs, maybe not in this order, 
Vegas, Edmonton, and the Kraken, those top three positions. That's that's what I'm thinking. We didn't even talk about the Calgary Flames because, Linda, do we care about the Calgary Flames? But we love Matthew Kachuk. I wish he was on another team. Uh, I love John Gaudreau, and I wish he was on another team. Maybe they will be by that trade deadline whenever the hell it is in March. It really uh, does know. feel like, no, it does though. It feels like this is the last year for this quarter, really figure it out or something's got to budge. But what's up? They hired Daryl Sutter. They extended him. I mean, I thought he was back on the farm. You know, he joined <laughs> the team on the bench last year. I mean, what are you looking for? I would think you bring a guy like Sutter in when your team is on the verge. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because I've heard about Sutter that it's kind of like the GM in waiting. Once they finally get rid of Brad Trey living, they'll just elevate Sutter. And who is that? I think they've got Jeff Ward on their bench now, which is a natural guy that they can promote to be the head coach or interim head coach. Um, I don't know. There's just something like a little <laughs> off with this team. They just didn't upgrade in the ways that they need to this off season, losing your captain, Mark Giordano. I don't know. I, I, there's, it's hard for me to get excited about them again, even though there's a lot of players on that team. I like a lot. I'm laughing that at myself because there's a reason why I just forgot they existed. And that makes me laugh. <laughs> I want them to be good. Even though I love Calgary. I love the city. I love the city so much. I know. I want to go to Banff. I want to go hang out there. I want to go walk in that it's crazy great. catwalk that's in the arena. I, I, when I, after the bubble in Edmonton, which was just a hilarious experience because as you know, like the guys yes. were kind of misled about what the amenities were going to be. And in all of the photos in the brochure, I know uh, they were showing the mountains and all the guys were like this isn't Edmonton this is like Banff and Calgary so after I was done in Edmonton I was like I got to get to Calgary and see what it's all about here um and I made my friend take me who lives there uh, to this top of the mountain to see the saddle dome and I was like that's my bucket list to go there I'm just you know it's funny because we're talking about ESPN being back on the air for the first time in 17 years and the last game we broadcast was the lightning versus flames in the Stanley Cup final and it's like Get us back there, but I'm not sure when. Yeah, good one. And I've been to Calgary multiple times, and it's just a gem of a city, and it's fun, and the rodeo's great, mm-hmm. and uh, it's all it's uh, you know it's Denver sto- vibes. It, it it's I also true story. You want to hear a uh, true story? I, I think, yeah. I don't know if I no, I want to hear fake story. All right, no, give me fake that's story. True. I don't. I'm you know me. I'm all genuine all the time, and to to a fault at times. Uh, but back in the day, and I'm dating myself, and I'm okay with it. Um, uh, 1988, the Olympics were held Mm. in Calgary, Alberta, and I was working for ABC radio network. And back in the day, ABC had the Olympics, not NBC. So when, when a network has the Olympics, you know, they roll out the red carpet, you have free access. So even though I was doing a radio show, you know, an update show, I was part of our crew on ABC radio to go to Calgary. And I I went and my first time was like when I just first started in the business a few years in. And I wanted to move there. I'm being serious. I'm not being sarcastic. I was like, I wanted to live there. I want to move there. And I remember a colleague of mine and I was having this conversation with her and I was like, what American city, where can I move? And I was in New York at the time. What American city can I move to since I cannot become a Canadian citizen at this time? What, what American city can I move to that will resemble, that will remind me of Calgary? Because I love what it so said, much. Yeah. She actually said, that would be my city, Linda. And I go, what city is that? Seattle. And Ooh. back then, before city became, it was pre-Nirvana. Remember, pre Is that why you moved to Jam. Seattle? Because it was honestly, your American version of Calgary? Honestly, Emily, it was the reason. Because I started sending out my resume tape to Seattle, Washington, to those um, different um, TV stations um, in Seattle. And that's that, incredible. And, I want, and, and that's exactly what happened. 
And it was because of my experience, my three and a half weeks I spent in Calgary and meeting those cool people and great hockey fans in Western Canada. And I'm like, I want, I want to live here, but I can't. So I ended up getting a job in Seattle at KIRO TV, a CBS affiliate, and lived there for close to three years. My daughter was born in Seattle. My whole life changed because of my love for Calgary. And I will never, ever, you know, regret that. And I, I could, who knows, maybe down the road, I can still live there. Maybe, you know, and maybe I, I love can. this. That's so amazing. Big, yeah. Okay. Can I ask you my other question about the Calgary Olympics? Yes. Did you see the Jamaican bobsled team? Because Cool Runnings is my favorite movie ever. That's hilarious. Yes, I did. And I was so happy they did uh, a movie on that. I mean, that was amazing. There were so many stories uh, from those Olympic games. Eddie the Eagle was another, you know, Disney made a movie, I think, about Eddie the Eagle. You know, there were so many of these fun storylines. Um, Dan Jansen, I was in love with, the speed skater, and he fell. Do you remember? Look it up. Young people like you, Emily, Google it. I mean, Google it. Google Dan Jansen. He had like the yips when it comes to speed skating and he would. I know this guy or I know the story. Yeah. So it's just it was just I don't know. It was so real, like Olympic storylines back in the day. I know I sound old about that, but uh, whoever wants to just Google like the Winter Games in Calgary in 1988. And all the storylines that came out of it. Now, sadly, the uh, U.S. hockey team uh, was not good and finished out of the uh, you know medal competition. Did not even who was on that team? You remember my guys: Brian Leach, Mike Richter, Mm. just to name two. As you know, I grew up a Ranger fan, so um, that was you know. On one hand, I was so excited to cover them. On the other hand, it didn't last long. (laughs) All right, Linda, that was the Pacific Division. eh? That's what we got. It's not much, but. Do you know what is a lot? It is really good. The 30 for 30 podcast and the undefeated because they're presenting the King of Crenshaw. This four-part series examines how Nipsey Hussle's life and depth and legacy impacted the sports world, particularly the NBA. Here, DeMar DeRozan, Isaiah Thomas, and DeMarcus Cousins, among others, explore the realities of life as a Black man in America. Nipsey's dedication to the South LA and his community and how Nipsey inspired millions. The marathon continues. The King of Crenshaw. Listen now on SiriusXM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Linda, I know that was an ad read and we're just promoting something from the company, but my buddy, Justin Tinsley, who does around the horn for me, with me, but maybe he does it for me. Maybe he's going to let me win this Well, week. soon you'll be running the show. Soon you'll be running the show, so maybe it is for you. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, he's so the real deal. This was a passion project for him. He worked so hard on it, and I listened to it, and it's fantastic. Fantastic. All right. I think that's it for us today. I'm very excited for our, our listeners. If they really care about the East Coast, we will get to the Atlantic and Metropolitan Divisions next week. I look forward to it. 